Alright guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tubes Podcast. It is Monday, October 1st, 2018. And on today's episode, I'm uh, going to start with part one of the potential breakout players uh, this year in the SEC. Certainly there's a lot of different ways you can go with this uh, when you consider the depth in the league, and that's the one word we keep bringing up again and again. Um, th- there's a lot of different players that, that could kind of meet this criteria, and my criteria could be different than yours in terms of what you kind of consider a breakout type of player. Uh, but there's several th- that we can kind of identify and look at and say, these are guys that may not necessarily be at the top of your radar right now, uh, but they could be by the time SEC play gets here as we move into February and March. Um, so plenty of, of intriguing possibilities there when you look around at all these different players. So for me, it was not hard to make a list of potential breakout players uh, for the upcoming season. So uh, we're going to break this down. We're going to do three uh, per episode. So um, as we continue this series over the next several weeks, uh, I'll look at three players specifically that could have uh, breakout seasons uh, this year. So uh, let's start with uh, the Georgia Bulldogs and a player on there, which I think is going to be a real big asset for Tom Crean this upcoming season in his first year in Athens. And that's Nicholas Claxton. I think Claxton, you look back last year, um, you know, if you look at his stat line, the numbers don't really kind of tell you how he sort of developed as a freshman. And, you know, you look at him last year, and he was someone that stuck out when he was on the court. I mean, partly because he's six foot eleven. Um, and he has great size, and the way he uses that size, I think, was the biggest thing that stood out to me in that that versatility, and that's another buzzword we always kind of use, but Tom Crean's talked about it so far with Claxton, is that just a very versatile player, and I think going into a year like this where there are a lot of unknowns with this Georgia team in terms of you know what's going to happen after Yante Mayton, you know, who is going to step up, and fill all these different roles when you have a SEC Player of the Year type of player, one of the better big men in the country, and Mayton now gone, that there's a lot of production that has to be replaced, not just on offense, but on defense as well, uh, and the intangible type of stuff. Can Claxton be one of those guys that can step in and do that and help replace that production? I think he can, uh, because it does go back to that size, 6'11", the versatility for him on offense and defense. Uh, he can rebound, he can block shots, and certainly he wasn't doing it at an elite level last year as a freshman, but you can see that trajectory. You can see the potential is there for him to really make an impact this year because they're going to need him to. Uh, Georgia's not exactly a team that has a ton of size. Um, they're not a team that, that probably will be going through their inside game this year they're going to need their guards to kind of step up, uh, to have more consistency. That was the theme last year. That's going to need to continue to be the theme this year uh, if they're going to want to win games in this very, very challenging conference. But with Claxton, I'm very intrigued just to see how he develops on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, can he become someone they can rely on uh, to get maybe some easy buckets inside? 
Uh, can they turn him into a guy that can post up, make moves, and score on a, a frequent basis? If they can, he can become a very dangerous player. And, and, and all that development may not come this season. It may, you know, going into his junior season, it may be even more of a big step forward. That's usually how it goes. Um, but he is someone, I think when you look at Georgia, you see all the questions maybe that we do have uh, with Mayton gone. He can step into a, a bigger role, and I think that's going to be something Tom Green is going to enjoy kind of watching how he develops because he does seem to kind of have the tools that you need to really be successful uh, at this level. And I think getting the experience this summer, you know, he played for the U.S. Virgin Islands this summer. Uh, they had some performances where you just kind of saw that it's there, and it's just a matter of developing it further and seeing how far that can carry him. But I do think uh, Nick Claxton is someone that you're going to want to kind of watch on this team because there there's so much opportunity. And for Georgia, that's the way it is now. When you have a coaching change, uh, there's opportunity everywhere because not nothing's really set in stone on a team like this where you had your star player last year, you know your other star player from the year before, J.J. Frazier, um, it's kind of wide open in terms of who's going to step in, be that go-to guy, um, who are going to be the guys that Crean is going to really rely on, be in the game, you know, with 10 minutes left in the second half, um, and really be counted upon to be uh, and make an impact down the stretch. And I think Clax is someone that can do that, um, depending on how he develops. This entire sophomore class for Georgia, as I mentioned multiple times this summer, I think there's a lot of possibility, there's a lot of potential in this sophomore group, and Claxton's one that I definitely have my eye on heading into the season. Speaking of opportunity, um, that goes to our second player uh, here on the breakout players list, and that's Chase Johnson from Florida. The um, you know the freshman comes in last year. I, I named him, I'm pretty sure, when we went and were doing a lot of our preview stuff last year, he was kind of the guy, one of the five probably in the SEC, I thought, kind of flying under the radar heading into the season uh, with so many talented freshmen across the board. He was one that maybe wasn't getting you know all the headlines, wasn't getting all the attention, but I felt like in hearing Mike White talk about him and kind of what he thought his role could be, I thought Chase Johnson could could be a breakout type of player last year. Unfortunately, uh, dealt with the head issues with the concussion and really was never able to to be that player we thought that that he could be. Just didn't get a chance to see the floor. Um, So uh, I think now, looking at, hearing everything that, that Mike White said this summer as they start practice here, it seems like you know Johnson is ready to go it's he seems like he's he's fully healthy he's ready to kind of come in now and see what he can do for this Florida team um he's always kind of been talked about as a very hard worker um can use his his athleticism you know he's 6'9 200 pounds uh 220 pounds somewhere in there um so so I mean you've got someone where he's got a nice skill set to work with uh I think the way you've seen him described in other places too is just kind of has that basketball uh, awareness and kind of his ability uh, to get to the right place on the floor and be sort of that that hardworking guy that you want to have on a team. And someone, when you put him out there, you feel like he's going to make a play uh, on either end of the floor and kind of put himself in a spot to have success. 
So that's someone I think that, that Mike White's going to find appealing, especially in the way he likes to play. And it does kind of strike me that, that Chase Johnson is that Mike White type of player, That again, that hard-nosed, uh, grinded-out type of guy. I think especially on a Florida team, and, and you know, if you listen to the podcast, we talked recently to Eric Fawcett of GatorCountry.com, the guard play on Florida seems pretty set in stone. I mean, there's a lot of uh, dynamic guards there that, that you feel like Florida's guards are going to be really the strength of the team. And that's not a knock on the front court when you talk about Kivarius Hayes, Keith Stone, um, you know, Isaiah Stokes, once he's able to get in there too. So it's not a knock on that, but I do think you have more uh, possibilities in terms of uh, rotations and how Mike White uses his guys in the front court. Um, and all signs kind of seem to point towards Johnson having a chance to be right there in the mix, to be in that rotation, um, and to kind of put his stamp on things now that he's able to be healthy and, and you know, stay on the court. And that will, as we've said multiple times now this summer, staying healthy is going to be the theme of this Florida team. And they've had some injuries over the past couple of years where they want to be able to get these guys on the floor, use them in the ways that, that they, you know, as they recruited them, that they saw that they'd be able to use some of these guys. Um, and so I, I do think Chase Johnson, if you're looking for a breakout type of player on Florida's team, he's a guy that you can really look at and say he could get some minutes. And I, I think I could probably see him making an impact sooner rather than later on this team um, because th- they've got a pretty deep roster here. And I do think uh, seeing how the minutes kind of play out from a guard standpoint is going to be fun to watch. But so is that front court because – you do have a lot of different guys that maybe have different skill sets. Uh, where you look at someone like Kivarius Hayes, who's a very good defender, a shot blocker. Someone like Keith Stone, who can add an offensive element on a more consistent basis. Um, so you've got a, a lot of different pieces to work with, uh, I think, there in the front court for Florida. And I do think Chase Johnson uh, may be able to kind of sneak in there and be someone that by the time we get to SEC play, uh, could really be making a big impact and factoring into that Florida rotation on a night-in and night-out basis. And uh, the other player uh, focusing on today here in Part 1 of the breakout players uh, in the SEC this season, he is a freshman, um, and he's the one that probably isn't getting the same type of attention as the other two are on this particular team, and that is Vanderbilt uh, wing Aaron Neesmith. Um Here's someone, you know, like we, we continue to say, Darius Garland, Simi Shitsu, you're talking about two top 15 players in this year's class. It's the best class Vanderbilt's ever had um, when you look at it, you know, certainly from a rankings perspective, when you see these guys coming in there, you got two five-star kids and Garland and Shitsu. But I think Aaron Neesmith is someone that he's going to be just like the other two in terms of his ability to step on the court from day one and help them. And Bryce True said as much this summer. Um, I think the, you know, the first time I heard him say it was on the SEC Coaches Teleconference. I think because you know of what Vanderbilt lost from last year, and Vanderbilt struggled. I mean, let's face it. They had a very tough road last year, but they still had a team that could shoot the ball very, very well. Um, when you talk about Riley LeChance, Jeff Roberson, when Matthew Fisher Davis was playing, um, you had a team that had some knockdown three-point shooters. Now, with those guys gone, 
you do add the elements of having two dynamic playmakers like Garland and Shih Tzu, but now, but you want to have that knockdown shooter that you can pass to and feel like he's going to be able to knock down shots uh, on a consistent basis. And I do think Naismith can be one of those guys who can do that. And he's a top 70 prospect. Uh, all the, the people, the scouting places you see kind of describe him. You watch videos of him. He is an elite type of shooter. He's someone that can knock down shots on a frequent basis uh, from the perimeter. And he has that athleticism. He has that build of someone who can use his size uh, to be able to, to rise up over defenders, make shots, you know, even contested shots. Um, and I think that's where Bryce Drew and his staff are going to be able to use him in terms of you know, how fast will Vanderbilt play, what will maybe the tempo look like versus years past because you do have someone like Garland who can do it all. Um, he has pretty much all the intangibles you need to run any type of offensive kind of scheme system you want to use, whether Vanderbilt wants to push the ball down the floor when they get a chance to, whether they want to run their offense and get Garland in the lane, penetrating and kicking the shooters um, and scoring, of course. He can get in there and do that too. Um, so I think having Garland at the point guard, you've also got creators, playmakers like Saban Lee, who is going to be able to do the same type of thing. He's going to be able to put the ball on the floor, you know, draw the defense from one side or the other, and that's going to leave guys open. I don't think you want to leave uh, Aaron Neesmith open because that's going to be a problem. Uh, and I think that's where he gets that opportunity to be a breakout player because he adds that shooting dynamic along with someone like Matt Ryan, the Notre Dame transfer. Um, he adds that element, and you've got to have that on a team. If you want to be successful, you've got to have those guys who can knock down the perimeter shots uh, and give yourself a chance uh, to, to you know, be able to beat teams in multiple ways. And I think he's someone who can do that uh, again. So if you're not familiar with him, I would tell you to look at some of these videos you can find on him just watching his shooting form, the way he shoots the ball, and I do think that build's going to help him because you're talking about a kid that's 6'6", around 215 or so. Um, so so he's got the type of body you need to succeed in the SEC, come in and be able to play right away, uh, does have that athleticism. So I think you know, on a team where it's year three for Bryce True, I think they're finally going to be able to play offense the way they want to fully rather than just maybe putting in pieces here or there. I think now they've got the the recruits in there. They've got the guys they feel like best fit their system. And so that's where I think someone uh, like Neesmith is going to be able to really uh, make a big push right away. He's not going to be someone that's going to be sitting on the end of the bench come SEC play. I think he's going to be right there in the thick of things uh, and going to be contributing them uh, contributing for them on a nightly basis in some form or fashion. Uh, I would be surprised if he wasn't, uh, just because I think this entire freshman class for Vanderbilt is that good. That's why it's rated so highly in the top 15 nationally. Um, it's not just the two guys that, that are the, the five-star you know, prospects. It's this guy as well, and that total package is going to be what kind of pushes Vanderbilt forward, gives them a chance to be an NCAA tournament team, uh, and stay in that top half of the SEC and have a potential to be, you know, a regular top 25 type of team this year. I think they, they really do uh, have the roster in place to do that. They're going to be relying on a lot of young players, and that's something to keep in mind. Uh, when you go into a season, 
you look around at the different teams, you try to kind of factor in uh, the youth versus the experience. Vanderbilt won't be one of the more experienced teams because of the seniors that they lost and because they're going to be relying on a lot of freshmen and sophomores in these major roles. Uh, but they're good enough uh, to really compete w- with anyone in the SEC. Uh, and so th- that's just one other player I think you can look at here on the breakout players list this upcoming season. So that'll wrap up uh, part one here of the breakout players list heading into the 2018-19 season in the SEC. Uh, you guys seem to really enjoy these podcasts. So normally I would do this maybe in more of a written form, put them all in one single written post. But uh, you guys are enjoying the podcast, so I'm going to continue to put these out uh, as many days as I can throughout the week uh, leading up to the start of the season, which now we've turned the calendar to October. November is only a month away now. Um, and SEC Media Day will be taking place here in a couple weeks in Birmingham. Um, that will be a lot of fun. I'll be there uh, for that, and we'll certainly have plenty of news and notes and good audio from that as well uh, that we'll use here on the podcast uh, we'll be talking to coaches, players, analysts, all sorts of stuff. Uh, so be sure you subscribe. Go over to iTunes, search for Southeast Hoops. That way you can get all these episodes delivered to you as soon as they go up. Uh, and be sure to head over to southeasthoops.com. That's where you'll find the written stuff. Mostly doing a lot of news-related stuff now on recruiting uh, and other things as well on the site. But as we get closer to the season, uh, there will be plenty more coming up, not only from myself, but uh, some of our other writers as well. Uh, but be sure you subscribe everywhere. That way you don't miss any of the SEC basketball stuff. Uh, also have a couple great interviews coming for you guys here down the pipe. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss uh, anything that's on the way here on the Southeast Teams podcast. So uh, thanks as always for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time.